Hey there DC fans, this is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find you got books collectibles uh pop-up greeting cards they have all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35 percent off site-wide by using the code dc news 35 that's dc n-e-w-s 35 dc news 35 use that code and receive 35 percent off site-wide at insighteditions.com Welcome one and all to episode 114 of the DC Comics News uh, Podcast. I'm your host, uh, Brad Looking with me is the amazing Seth Singleton. How you doing tonight, Seth? Well, now I feel like I have to be amazing. No, it's okay. I'll just bring whatever I got to the table. I'm great, man. Always good to hang out with you. How you doing? Good? Uh, I'm, I'm hanging in. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> so we got... Uh, a lot of movie news, some TV and streaming news, some comic news, and even a little something about New York Comic Con in this episode. So we can go ahead and uh, jump right in uh, with news, movie news. Uh, got a lot of news out of Justice Con uh, this week. So uh, up first is that um, Joe Magniello, I know I pronounced that wrong, has uh, revealed some plot points of the Deathstroke movie that uh, that never happened. Uh, what was your what was your take on this? For starters, I had no concept that Joe Manganiello, whose name I is one of those names I'm just like determined to not <laughs> pronounce correctly. So all of you out here who know that I did that wrong, just know that I know and somehow I haven't fixed it yet. I'm working. I'm trying to be a better me. Uh, this guy, this guy was really invested based on this story. I mean, it, it, the way he says it in one quote, the studio was pretty much enthralled by all the research I was doing. And uh, and he also really seemed to focus on this idea of it being a human being. Yes, with super strength and other unique abilities. But overall, this guy who, I mean, for me, it, it sounds like he really wanted to base it on what he could draw from all the research the influence of the league of shadows what's the purpose and the uh you know reasoning behind the sword you know a gun moves pretty well so and he's pretty good with a gun so you know all these different things that he really wanted to uh, get into you know we also get a chance to just sort of get this feeling that he was doing all this without there even being a script and that's how committed he was so i got a big kick out of just some feelings like that like wow this guy could still be around. I mean, hey, Dwayne Johnson had to hang out for like 10 years to get Black Adam. So, you know, maybe Joe's just got to work it a little bit longer. But could it maybe be a, a, a ripple effect from the uh, Snyder Cut? What did you think, man? 
I kind of hope so. I hope that we have not seen the last of his Deathstroke. He, like you said, he he's invested so much in the character, and he really loved playing the role. And it just seems like he just keeps getting his knee shot out from under him every single time. You know, you know, he was supposed to have he was supposed to be in the Batman, and the Batman never happened the way that it had been. You know, the, the Affleck version never happened. Uh, now you have the Snyder cut and Warner Brothers comes out and says, nope, that's the end. No more Snyderverse. So he's still kind of <laughs> left. What? But, you know, like you said, too, if he keeps pushing, maybe something will happen because he loves the role. And I am a firm believer in that if the actor and the director love the character that they're working with when it comes to a comic book or superhero movie, it's going to be good. So I think that the fact that he loves it so much, it would be a good movie. So give the guy a chance, give the guy a break. (laughs) Hey man, I totally agree. I mean, you know, it, it sounds like, I think at least there was a lot of positive response to the, uh, that final scene from the uh, Snyder cut when we uh, get another reference to Deathstroke in a really fun, possible way. And that seems like the kind of momentum, right? That could lift to, you know, with everything else that's going on, it feels like everyone's taking a second look at the DC characters that were introduced in Justice League and where they should be taking them next, especially with all of this fan momentum behind it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And to be honest, I really think that Warner Brothers jumped the gun when they said no more Snyderverse. I think that they might have to go, you know, back on that statement sooner rather than later because i think we have not seen not seen the last of it the fan response was just too overwhelmingly positive so hang in there hang in there joe just uh a little bit longer and you might get some good good results so fingers crossed (laughs) agreed buddy agreed and up next also from justice con zach snyder uh, reveals who played green lantern in his cut uh of justice league that had to be replaced with uh uh martian manhunter uh so uh, what do you think of this well okay there's a couple of big takeaways from this one for starters uh i love the idea that we're getting to you know hear more about the green lantern that didn't happen so that we can maybe see if this is also like the story we were just talking about, something that could still have legs, could still happen, you know, even though it's, uh, you know, <laughs> that's all me just being really optimistic right now. But I do love the fact that there was an introduction made on the part of Ray Fisher regarding the uh, actor Wayne T. Carr and, and getting him in front of Zack Snyder and saying like, hey, uh, we, we, we think we got this idea. You know, um, <laughs> and we want to talk to you about, you know, bringing him in and, and seeing what's going on. And I, I think I get a big kick out of the fact that this was something that we've learned more about the reasons why it didn't happen. Now we're getting to find out actually what it was that they intended to have happen on top of what what had been suggested, that possible scene with uh, Martian Manhunter and, and how that that would have played out differently with the two of them together. Um, which I think would have been like a really cool cosmic feel. You know what I mean? The guy who has been living on Earth for all this time as a Martian, the guy who lived here until he got the ring, and now he's got an intergalactic 
perspective. <laughs> but um, I also think that that overall, it's just a little bit more for us to kind of you know, consider about what didn't happen that still could be picked up, put together, and and maybe show us something. And you know, we know that there's some sort of HBO Warner Brothers project regarding Green Lantern going on. So what could there be a possible connection? I mean, it does just sort of keep the story alive, at least. That's my take so far. What about you, man? Yeah, um, I, you know, and most people, I don't think, I think that Wayne um, T. Carter hasn't hasn't done any high-profile stuff. And it was cool that Ray Fisher said, hey, check him out. He'd be good. Uh, And we're in a bit of a Zack Snyder renaissance right now um, where he can kind of do what he wants. I mean, he even filmed that extra scene when Warner Brothers kind of told him not to. So it would just be interesting if he could just kind of like slip this on YouTube or on his Instagram, the 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 scene. But instead, it's what he shot with Green Lantern <laughs> just as a little right. like here's for fans. But, you know, as a Green Lantern fan, though, it's it's a little bittersweet because on one hand, it's a bummer that you didn't get to see Jon Stewart in the Snyder Cut. But the reason for that is because there is a lot of Green Lantern stuff coming down the road so that's another one of those cases where just hang on a little longer and uh you'll you know you'll be happy because of a lot of stuff you know coming out so it's it's kind of a mixed bag but i i do hope in some way that we can see that somehow um you know it said that he didn't have the physical suit because of covid so it would all have to be cgi so there's in a way i feel like there's no reason why Zack snyder couldn't put it together real quick when you know when he's done with his zombie or you know taking a break from his zombie movies so uh, who knows maybe we will get to see that in some form you know maybe it can be on that box set i keep talking about that i want to see so yeah (laughs) keep talking about it man they're gonna listen right i know i hope (laughs) yep so and next continuing on with the um uh, Justice Con news. Uh, looks like Batman vs Superman had some alternate titles that Zach was uh, was considering. Uh, what do you think of these these possible titles that weren't used? I I wonder. Well, first I want to know how many of the people that were involved in what appear to be some clearly boneheaded decisions around this time are still working there and how much are they making? Because I should be making equally as much and I wouldn't make nearly the same boneheaded decisions. Uh, that's, that's my, first. <laughs> yeah, it, man. What? It, 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 sorry to jump in, but you, you know, what kind of drives me crazy about that is that meanwhile over in, in the comics world of DC still connected to Warner brothers, you were, you had some of the best books that DC has ever done coming out. And boom, a lot of their staff is gone. So that makes no sense right. to me. No sense at all. So, yeah, anyway, continue. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> hey, man, when the spirit's moving, you got to you gotta step out of the way for a bit. Let the guy talk, you know, especially when it's truth like that. Yeah, that was a heartbreaking thing to suddenly have all these. Yeah, I mean, so Warner Brothers, we're noticing and we're not really impressed right now. In fact, if it was me, there's a strong chance you would at least be on some sort of a probationary status and then maybe getting fired. So don't get fired by your customers, customers, man. It's just a bad thing to do. Uh, I, I just don't recommend it. 
back to this story. Why I think we should be talking about who and whether they're still employed there is because <laughs> uh, I love the fact that there's this back and forth that's described as them trying to slap on a WWE match, Las Vegas style title with Batman versus Superman. And instead, they were looking at things like Man of Steel, Battle of the Night, Man of Steel, Black of Night, Night Falls. Um, and, and the one before it was actually like pretty cool, like Son of Sun and Night of Night or, you know what I mean? Like they, they were having a lot of fun with the spirit of it, I felt. Yeah, it would have been cool with Man of Steel Nightfalls. I wouldn't have minded that. <laughs> nice, right? Like, that would have been, like, a really cool one. And then even with Justice League, like Justice League Foundations, Justice League Rising, these all have, like, there's an aspiration involved. And there's also, like, a tilt of the head, a nod to the uh, fan. Like, hey, guys, we pay attention to stuff that's important to you. Here, let us demonstrate it through our marketing strategy that... <laughs> <laughs> like you know i mean it's really not as hard as they tried to make it to be so I, I think when i saw these titles i thought to myself you guys really wanted to ruin a lot of this for your very own reasons like for whatever reason you saw this one way and anything that didn't fit that was not something you were going to work with and i mean it, it almost sounds like you know when you've got two plans to to do something and you're like hey we're gonna put our plans together and build this and you bring your plans up and the other person's like, oh, yeah, no, we wrote our plans without thinking about accommodating you. We're just doing it our way. And it's nice that you contributed by, you know, doing stuff. And you're like, hey, man, this isn't teamwork. And they're like, no, it's not. We're in charge. Go. And uh, clearly they made all the worst decisions because I'm laughing about them. And uh, I don't think I'm alone. Brad, how about you? Yeah, I don't know what's going on at Warner Brothers sometimes. Uh <laughs> Which also kind of makes me crazy that they've come out and said that no more Snyderverse, that they are still adamant about that. Because, man, at this point, maybe it's maybe they should trust his vision a little bit at this point, you know. But um, this is, you know, and these titles are just, you know, an example of kind of the weirdness that goes on in Warner Brothers. It's like. It's like they never learn their lessons, and I just it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but <laughs> uh, you know, I you know, in in some ways, I don't mind the idea though that they were trying to you know, Man of Steel, this Man of Steel, that kind of making it sound like a Man of Steel sequel, because in a lot of ways, that's kind of what it felt like. And I, I think one of the reasons that maybe that didn't happen is because they realized Batman was such the, I mean, Batman is the most popular superhero there is. So you can put Batman on a marquee. It's going to get, you know, as they say, butts in seats. So I guess that kind of makes sense to really focus on the Batman side of things. But, you know, and, you know, we're not, we're not the corporate heads making those decisions. So we just have to sit and wonder why, I guess. <laughs> and maybe just say hey guys keep in mind we're not one note fans like we didn't go for this for one reason there's actually more to it than that and keep us in mind please yep 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 and uh up next also from justice con is uh ray fisher has said that he would consider coming back to the role of cyborg if warner brothers just 
apologized. So uh, what'd you make of this? I think I love the way that uh, Ray Fisher describes it as uh, if we could start with an acknowledgement and an apology of what is clearly publicly known to be an untruth. That's probably the best way to just lead into it. And I loved everything he said after that. I mean, really, it sounds like all he is asking from them is the willingness for them to admit they were wrong. Like they need to, as we just discussed with the whole Snyder Cut thing. (laughs) And as long as they can get a little humility and say, we're learning from our mistakes and we're willing to work with great partners who can show us the best way to do things and support the best strategies and creative ideas. You know what I mean? It would be so smart. It would be so effective. It would speak to everyone so clearly and it would also give them a credibility that they don't have right now. So I, I love the fact that he's starting out with, I'm actually telling you how to solve your problem and I I'm telling it to you in a public forum. So all you have to do is do it now. Whether or not they choose to get their pride involved and say, well, you can't talk to us like that or tell us how we should do things because now we're definitely not going to do it that way. That's on them. But, you know, it it seems to be costing them a lot of money to do it the wrong way. When you want to save some money and just listen to some people who are really trying to help you out, Brad, wouldn't you? Money is the magic word there because an apology would not cost a thing it's free it's easy couldn't be easier and if you if you ask a lot of fans that are super into the Snyder Cut one of the reasons why they liked it so much is that Cyborg was so much more fleshed out than he was in the theatrical cut Cyborg was a lot of people's favorite after they saw this cut so you would have a chance to money you know if you would just come out to work with ray fisher again it's obviously that he it's obvious that he loves the role so i once again i just don't understand what is up with warner brothers and the whole joss whedon thing they don't have to worry about policing joss whedon right now he's his name's kind of mud unfortunately his new show the nevers on hbo I didn't even know that he had anything to do with it until I looked the show up on Wikipedia because I thought it looked like it was something that was based on a book or something. So I was going to say, oh, I wonder what this was based on. That's how I had to find out that Joss Whedon, it was a Joss Whedon show. It hasn't been in any of the marketing. So Joss Whedon's not uh, not somebody that certainly Warner Brothers has to please or worry about at this point, I don't think. So Brad, I don't that's know, huge. Warner Brothers. Yeah. I had no idea that either. I, I saw it pop up on the HBO Max. I was just telling my wife, like, the other night, like, hey, I think I might want to check this out. Interesting concept. And uh, until you told me, I, I had not even gone beyond the title and description to see that it was something that involved him. So, yeah, that's a great point to make. You know, we just had this huge fanfare over the Snyder Cut when it came to HBO Max. And it's because of the director who's behind it. And yet there's another project going up on HBO Max right now by a director who is not even being mentioned in association with it. And And, I think it's for the reasons you just pointed out. And a few years ago, that would have been the core of their marketing and the fact that it was Joss Whedon and Mutant Enemy. And don't get me wrong, the shows, I, I really liked the first episode and I will, despite myself, continue to watch it. But, you know, it, it's... Yeah, man, his name is just not what it used to be. And moving on to 
Yeah, yeah. And moving on to some more uh, Zack Snyder-related news, he is auctioning some Justice League Is Grey uh, screening tickets for charity. Uh, What do you make of this? I think it's a great reason and a great way to get involved in a charity. I mean, the thing that, that really catches my attention is uh, there was a lot of excitement and emphasis that was placed on the release of the Snyder Cut. And the colors in it were absolutely gorgeous. I've been watching the Justice League, uh, Justice is Grey, and it's a phenomenal production. It's absolutely breathtaking. I mean, it, it's like watching a modern day black and white shot with that sort of awareness. And then recognizing how... There were so many elements that stood out in the black and white that I missed in the color version. Just gorgeous stuff to start out with. So what a great way to use that as an introduction for people that haven't had a chance to see this. And who I think, you know, in a theater experience, are going to think it's a wonderfully cinematic uh, feeling to return to as far as the theaters. Um, And I love that they're doing it in Los Angeles, New York, and Austin. Those are some big places that are known for philanthropy charitable associations, uh, you know, recognition of the arts, big fans of independent creators who stand up for their vision, which Snyder's done. You know what I mean? It seems like a really intelligent way to do it. And I love the fact that he's doing it for the uh, AFSP. Um, I think, you know, the dedication and the recognition. I mean, the one thing that really stuck from with me was the uh, Vanity Fair article that came out right before the Snyder Cut was released, and the writer said they mentioned his daughter's name, and at that moment, he just stops and says, none of this would be possible without her. Like, I wouldn't have had the same focus to to push on, you know, and the fact that he's willing to turn around and say, now, here's what I want to do with that, that gift she gave me. I, I think it's just a really sort of beautiful response and i mean if you can keep moving forward in your life with this kind of intention it's stuff that yogis and buddhists and so many who are spiritually inclined this is like the goal right like you want to have a positive intention that does great things and yet also can be applied to other things with all these other positive effects it's a it's a really great story it's a really great approach it sounds so smart in its understanding of the community and such a responsible way to take this gift that he has that keeps giving and saying, here, now let's direct some of that giving. Let's give it to something that I believe in. And I think a lot of us do because, you know, one of the biggest things um, about the group is that they're sort of that last stand when things like mental health and other things aren't addressed in a way that allows for that healthy kind of healing. You, you need groups like this that are there at the, the line, kind of. And uh, I think it's a great recognition for the superheroes he sees working for that organization and what they're able to do. All right, I'm done with that rant. Brad, seriously, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think you summed up any thought that I would have had on it. Um, exactly. I think oh, it's, that's it's what a, I get for rambling. <laughs> it, no, no, it was good. I mean, I, I you, you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a great cause, especially considering the tragedy that surrounded the film it's it's a great cause and 
I, I dig the idea that it's the black and white version, because if I was to bid on this and I was to see see it in theaters, I would want to see the black and white version. Uh, just imagine you, you were saying how you notice so much more in the black and white version. Imagine that on the big screen. So I, I just think that it's it's a very good idea to make it the black and white version. And also it's a great cause. So, yeah, you 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 really summed that up perfectly. Uh, my pleasure man yeah. uh, I, I i do agree though like you could probably see the original on the big screen at some point you know i mean you can access it wherever there are theaters available that are showing it for you but seeing the black and white one how many theaters are showing that aside from this charity so it's that one of a kind and a great experience in which to you know and yeah good stuff there man it, it's a really man like would you seriously bet against Snyder right now? Like, really, I would yes, take that I'm guy. Telling you. Gambling. Yeah. I would take him all over the place where luck holds and be like, all right, dude, tell me where to bet because yep. I'm going to turn a 50 into five mil. <laughs> yeah, I've seen you do it. Yep, <laughs> exactly. And moving away now from Zack Snyder news, I've uh, got some casting news on Aquaman 2. Uh, Pailu Osbeck, and I'm probably butchering that pronunciation, so I do apologize, has reportedly joined the cast of Aquaman 2. Uh, so uh, what do you think of this? This is one of those stories we used to talk about a little while back when it was kind of a story about, you know, a story that might be a story. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, for me, even more so, because one, while I cannot in any way hope to pronounce Palu Azbek's name correctly, uh, that was my attempt. I also didn't watch. I remember I'm that guy on this team who doesn't watch Game of Thrones. Never seen it. Never, oh, never wow. even a lick. So I don't know this guy from Adam, as the old saying goes. Like, I'm like, all right, who's you're in Greyjoy, whose name I also might be butchering horribly. So uh, <laughs> keeping all of that in mind, I'm like, okay, this is about as big of a mystery as it can get for me when it comes to Aquaman 2. This guy could be anybody. I do want to sort of like, when I'm looking at his face, I'm like, what character from Aquaman could I see this guy being? And then in my head going, ah, he's an actor. You always get screwed on this. The first time I saw uh, What's-His-Name get cast for Wolverine, I was like, Hugh Jackman? The pretty boy soap opera looking guy? How's this going to work? Right? And then suddenly I see him and I was like, this guy's really got it. So I, I've learned not to judge by anyone's appearance what I think they can or can't do or what they may or may not be. But unfortunately, Brad, I have to totally lean on you now because since I don't watch Game of Thrones, I can't even guess at his rage. You know, at least when we had the one recently about uh, the Star Wars and it was the actor who plays uh, – one of the main sort of nemeses in uh, in the most recent movies. And I was like, yeah, I don't recognize the actor. And you're like, oh, well, that's the main nemesis of uh, Finn. And I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. Ugh. Until then, I had no even concept of how to like think about her being cast for something. So when it comes to this actor, I'm like totally in the dark. Brad, help me out. Like, what can you imagine? Well, I, I I will say this about Greyjoy, that that character goes through a lot, so you can take a lot of punishment. Uh, I, I did <laughs> like him in the role, I, but having said that, I can't, you know, say that, oh, okay, he'll play this character, or he'd make a good this character. 
And I think part of that is, like you said, is that sometimes they cast people that surprise you. So me, I always kind of give the benefit of the doubt to the actor until I until I actually see it on screen. So, you know, you know, we'll see. I, you know, at the bottom line, too, with this is that I'm glad that we're getting some Aquaman 2 news because it, you know, it's supposed to be out at the end of 2022, which might seem like a ways away. But when it comes to filmmaking of that magnitude, it's it's not really. So they're going to have to get things going. So I wouldn't be surprised if over the next weeks we have more and more Aquaman 2 news come out. So hopefully that means that this production is kind of ramping up as well. So we'll see. We'll see. And moving on to more Aquaman 2 news, uh, Amber Heard has uh, posted a picture that is hinting that she's coming back as Mara. So uh, what did you take? What did you make of this? Uh, No press is bad press and getting into a very public divorce uh, that also got into some weird stuff that doesn't paint either person in a very good light apparently does not affect your ability to come back and work on a movie. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I think there's like certain things which you can do, which are kind of like the unforgivable sins. Um, and, and that's it. Others fall into more of a gray area where it's like, that wasn't great, but it wasn't bad enough. So hi, keep it up. And, you know, don't make us regret having you back on. But also is the fact that, uh, I wonder about the idea of someone putting up a picture that shows them on set. Is this to hint? Because even though it's a throwback, it's like, were you on set? But you can't share current picture on set, but you want to let us know that you're filming it. Or is this just a, hey, excited to get back to these moments when Momoa is going to be ripping up the pages of my books because he hates the fact that I ignore him when I'm reading and all I ever do is read. And, and let's just remember me in a more cute and positive way than anything else you might have seen in the news recently. That's the problem with the picture. I've only tapped, like, scratched the surface of interpreting it, and I could go a lot further. But then again, you're not here just to hear me. Brad, what do you think, man? Uh, yeah, maybe it's her playing a game, saying, are you going to cast me? What's going on? Rather than <laughs> Smart <a> subtle <laughs> hint. I mean, I don't know, because and, – and, and, because it keeps going back and forth on whether or not she's going to return. Because I know there were a lot of fans, and I've seen a lot of petitions on social media fire Amber Heard. So it will be interesting if she is cast to see the fan reaction um, to this. You know, So it's going to be interesting to watch this play out regardless. <laughs> so, you know, I – oh, man, I don't know. I, I, I almost – feel like I kind of doubt that they would cast her again, but you know, I guess strange things have happened. Um, yeah, because she does not have, she does not have a lot of love out there in the public right now. So, uh, so we'll see. Once again, I think that as we go on, we're going to have a lot more Aquaman 2 news. So maybe you know, that will include specifically news dealing with Amber Heard on the Sooner side. And right. uh, yeah, and moving on to uh, some more news. Uh, Mo 
uh, Amir joins the cast of Black Adam. Uh, what was your take on this? I'm kind of intrigued by the fact that not knowing much about Molomer before reading this article, I, I caught my attention that he's a stand-up comic and that he also has been on a, a sitcom, you know, a situational comedy, which I always have to remind myself that's what it stands for. It's not just some, <laughs> mm. uh, you know, sort of a interesting word. Like, what is it? Oh, yeah. So it's a situation. So he's playing a friend. And I think that comedic flavor could be really fun if – I mean, Black Adam is so serious. Like, the guy looks like when he wakes up in the morning, everything he stares at has the potential to catch fire because he's just so intense. And it would be interesting to have him uh, at some point stuck with this guy for whatever reason, who's just funny, who just makes people laugh, who who gives sort of like a, hey, you're not really going to do that, are you? Because it sounds cool. But then there's the whole like, oh, he ripped somebody in half, like which isn't cool. You know, like I feel like he could be that really fun comic relief. Um, but I don't know if he's supposed to be like the buddy, the observer. I, I think the fun thing would be is if we get to see him throw a comedic take from a perspective we hadn't considered. Like I was just thinking about would it be great if he was doing like a version of uh, The Daily Show and he's always <laughs> just ripping on Black Adam? And that's like his part because he's also like maybe uh, based, you know, somewhere close to Kondak. So either he's not quite in the country or he is, but he's sort of that guy who's like telling the truth, like the uh, the truth telling uh, jester, you know, thinking of your Shakespeare um, or the fool who who is allowed to get away with stuff because he does it in a comedic way. So those are just some fun thoughts that came up without really sort of hearing any other casting announcement related to this character naming or anything else like that. I just tried to go off the comedic tape. What, what was your thoughts? Man? I, I, I totally agree that it, uh, Black Adam is such a serious character that it would be kind of necessary to have some comedy relief. And I did happen to stumble across his stand-up special randomly a few years ago on, on uh, Netflix and I liked oh, wow. it. You know, it was funny. So I have seen it. Uh, and it also reminds me that I need to watch uh, Rami on uh, on Hulu. Um, <laughs> uh, so, I got, yeah, I do got to catch up on that. <laughs> but, yeah, I think um, I think that he's going to be necessary comic relief. And I really like how this in general, I really like how this cast is um, filling out. Um Getting Pierce Brosnan yeah. as Doctor Fate and uh, uh, Aldous Hodge as Hawkman and and the list goes on. So I think that that the more this production comes into focus, the more I'm enjoying news about it too. So I uh, I'm getting more and more excited for this movie by the day. And looks like Lucy Liu has been cast as a villain in Shazam Fury of the Gods. Uh, what was your take on this? So uh, I, I got a kick out of the fact that, you know, Lucy Liu has already established herself for a lot of uh, viewers and fans as someone who has great comedic timing, just really knows how to use uh, that craft so well. And I think she makes uh, a great possible um, ally, uh, nemesis, maybe even a bit of a uh, dabbler who just sort of gets in the way. 
and I'm having trouble recalling just off the top of my head, but I do recall that there was um, a whole twist in the creation of Black Adam and that someone subverts it. Now, in one version, it's the daughter of uh, the sorcerer. And in another version, it's I feel like it was someone else who basically influences the final ceremony. And that's how you end up getting the uh, a lot of the Egyptian gods involved with the uh, distribution of power and the naming of Teth Adam. Right. Um, and then uh, so I'm curious because this mentions that in this story, what we're actually getting here is someone who is one of the two daughters of Atlas. So how does that put a little bit of a twist on on what her role might be um and and i'm curious because atlas is one of the names that shazam gets his powers from so it, it seems like it could be some really fun stuff to go in with the story on top of the fact that you've got a really cool actor who's done amazing work and i think has been out of the light for a little while and it's going to be great to see in a, a project like this what do you think yeah, I think you might be onto something. Uh, I think that uh, between Helen Mirra's uh, Hespera and Lucy Lou's Calypso, that those could be the gods that we're talking about having fury. So, and so that's interesting. And you're right, Atlas is where part of the one of the gods where Shazam gets his name from. So that's an interesting twist. Maybe they're coming back to take some of his power. So, yeah, there's mm. lots of there's lots of possibilities in this so um yeah this is another one i'm excited for i think the first shazam surprised a lot of people and we have a lot of the same team returning so i think that this is another one we were kind of in for a treat so i'm i'm mr positive today on uh, on the podcast so but yeah I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one too and something else that i'm very much looking forward to is the Suicide Squad, and uh, James Gunn hinted that we shouldn't get our hopes up of too many characters surviving. So he's saying that having seven people die is overly optimistic. So what do you think? Do you think that uh, it's going to be a bloodbath? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know how else to. <laughs> 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 to sort of back up James Gunn without having seen it, except to say the guy's been saying from the very beginning, don't get attached. And then it, the the reference that the story seems to be pointing to is um, <laughs> a story, the Suicide Squad theory, the seven characters who die in James Gunn's sequel. And he's like, yeah, no, no, like seven. That's it. You know what I mean? Like, I love the dry, wry, sort of just like, oh, you think only seven. That's sweet. You know, they got a saying in the South when someone does that. Bless your heart. So, uh, <laughs> bless your heart. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you, 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 you precious little thing for being so hopeful. Like, I'm, I'm the guy who's always putting up the House of L symbol because I'm Mr. Like, you know, hope and optimistic guy. But uh, you got to be kidding me, right? Like, the title is The Suicide Squad. He keeps referencing the line in which everybody is getting killed off. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a bloodbath. Here's what I say. There should be a thing going in where everyone has to pick who they think the three survivors are. Maybe two. 
And then along the way, every time that they don't, they have to drink when their character that they thought was going to last gets killed off as well, or some other silly thing like that. Because I feel like if you make this into a challenge, that's where it's going to be really interesting because no one said that anyone's going to survive. And I think more than one is optimistic. That's my take. So, uh, yeah, I see a bloodbath. What about you, man? Wouldn't it be funny if this was a whole big ruse and all the characters make it out alive? Not one of the Suicide that Squad dies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think and that's going to happen. Laughing. But yeah, <laughs> but I think that that uh, he could be playing games with us. So I don't I don't exactly know how to treat this this tweet. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, you know, from the trailer, it looks like that that team that's walking out in front of the flag that includes Captain Boomerang and Mongol and and um, Javelin that is, and, and some others. It seems like those are the ones that are going to kind of get not going to make it out. But that could also be just how they're messing with us. So I don't know. Although I will say I'm not. I'm not attached to any of the characters. I've accepted that, except for Harley. I think it's safe to say that Harley Quinn's going to survive. So we'll uh, we'll see. But this is one that I'm that I really can't wait for. August cannot hit get here soon enough. <laughs> it reminds me of the Dirty Dozen. Did you ever see those movies? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know that feeling of like you know not very many. I think Lee Marvin's the only one who actually got out of that thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's why he was alive to do the sequel. Like you start looking at it from that perspective, it's like they've done movies where only one guy gets out, and it yeah. it, <laughs> it yeah. happens. Oh man! <laughs> and with that, we are going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and we'll come back in a sec with some TV and streaming news and some comic book news. So stick around, and we'll be right back. Hey there DC fans, this is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien... Everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNews35. That's DCNEWS35. DCNews35. Use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. 
Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spitter Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Book. A Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not f*** that. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this, someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra-comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC Universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth <laughs> joke. <laughs> ears hoping. <laughs> We're going to have guests on this show, we're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. (laughs) 
off the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything off, you want. Anything you cuff. want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're gonna be talking about we're gonna be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't. Want God damn it. Look, all right. We're gonna Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's season, whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. Available exclusively on YouTube. And welcome back to the DC Comics News Podcast. Um, your host, Brad Flicky, and with me is Seth Singleton. Uh, we've talked movie news, and now we're moving on to TV and streaming. Uh, up first, uh, it looks like the uh, Batman Gotham uh, spinoff series it may not be Gotham Central like we were thinking, but will instead uh, focus on James Gordon. Uh, Seth, what did you think of this? I'm down with a game Gordon show like that. That totally makes sense to me. Like I, I get that there was the immediate attraction to the idea of using Gotham Central and, and moving in that direction. But I, I feel that this as much as Peacemaker spun out of Suicide Squad. This is a project spinning out of the actual production of the Batman. You know what I mean? Um, one approach would be Gotham Central, where you're actually lifting that comic book series and moving it onto the screen. This is one where you're taking the original material you developed from the production of the Batman and the scripting for that and seeing an opportunity to write a new story for James Gordon. I can see the strengths of both. I can see the concerns of both. But the one thing that really sticks with me is Jeffrey Wright has a wonderful presence. He's captivating when he's on screen. I can't think of a role where he has been a lead before, a significant lead. I can see him in ensemble, and I've seen him in supporting. But this would be an opportunity for him to step into a lead role and tell an amazing story about a complex character. James Gordon is not an easy guy. He's, you know, probably seen a lot of not good stuff. The recent Joker series that they've got James Gordon going on. My goodness. <laughs> like mm. They're really tapping into, you know, the things you have to see. And that could be a really wonderful lens into Gotham for uh, a lot of people that maybe haven't explored it that way. And it could set up maybe a project like Gotham Central down the line. But I, I'm intrigued by this approach because it sounds like there's a reasoning behind it that's separate from Gotham Central and they didn't want to muddy the waters, which I have to have a lot of respect for that. I mean, I still think there's a future for Gotham Central. I think the reason to not try and force it into this other project is a really valid one. And I'm curious about the uh, approach that they are going to take on it because comics have taken James Gordon on so many different routes that after a while, you feel like you know him as Jim, and you love the fact that he is such a tougher guy than you imagine because he's constantly in the shadow of Batman, like most other Gotham police officers. But the guy can take on a lot. He can handle a lot. 
And even when he's been an, an embarrassing drunk on Harley Quinn, he's still been <laughs> much more than I could ever do in that sort of position. So I, I think it's it's got some really interesting takes on it. But I love that they're drawing some really clear lines. Now, that's my whole like, hey, everything's going to be great. <laughs> Brad, what do you think? Before I tell you what I think, I got to tell you, if you want to see Jeffrey Wright in a starring role, check out Basquiat. He plays Jean-Michel Basquiat, and he is amazing. And it's a movie from the 90s, and actually there's a cameo of David Bowie playing Andy Warhol. But anyway, so check that out. Oh, wow. Okay. Which leads me to my thoughts on this, is that I would be totally okay with uh, a James Gordon-centered series, especially if that means that Jeffrey Wright coming on board to play uh, to play him throughout the series because he is a great actor and I think he's perfect for the role and the character. So and you're you're right, too, in that there are so many different versions of James Gordon that we could get. So, you know, it'll be really interesting to watch him give his spin on the character and who's to say if it's you know if it's super successful and people really like it they could morph it in ways into the um gotham central show in ways bring in certain things from it so i still think that there's definitely room to maneuver and work around to get some of that gotham central stuff in there so uh so we'll see uh you know i I, i'm with you I'm, i'm optimistic well, you know what? They really won me over with Watchmen. If they can have that same sort of awareness, you know, yeah. no matter if it's Green Lantern or with this project and bring just some really complex storytelling to it, I I, I think it's a guarantee. I mean, because that was Dynamite. It's still something where like, so when's the last time you rewatched it and freaked out when you saw stuff that was both familiar and completely new? I mean... Really, they could they could go really far with it. So, yeah, man, I'm I'm excited right along with you, folks. (laughs) Yeah. And another bit of TV news. Uh, Dominic uh, Purcell has clarified his status with Legends of Tomorrow and the studio. So uh, what did you uh, would you make of this? I I think (laughs) I think the story's got a, a funny like feel to it. Like, look. I'm kind of, you know, a screwball. And sometimes I'm going to mess with you really, really hard. And when I do, uh, if I faked you out really good, you're going to think that I was serious. And here's what I do have to say. I'm leaving because that's just how things are working out for me right now. Um, You know, it's clear that he doesn't have (laughs) any beef, as he describes it, with Warner Brothers. Um... Some parts of this I can't quote, (laughs) but as I move through it, you know, I I get a kick out of the fact that he's like, hey, look, you know, everybody's going to dig the fact that he's just having a bit of fun. And that sounds like he'll still be coming back in a not permanent role. Um, And plenty of other characters have done that and come back to either uh, really fun guest appearances or just uh, short term recurring roles. And I mean, He's sort of made Heatwave and everything about Mick into a character who he could be off doing who knows what and then come back two or three episodes later. And it'll feel seamless because the guy's now a successful or has been a successful romance novelist 
among many, many other things. He's grown. And I mean, it would make sense to write some really fun adventures where he steps away for a couple episodes. We get some focus on characters who people can't stop seeing in the limelight, like Gary. And, uh, you know, some more fun to be had. So I, I, I get a kick out of the whole thing. It's like, wow, people really, you know, what's going to happen next? And he's like, dude, you bought that? Oh, I'm so good. I'm so good. All right, here's what's really happening. Because yeah. I, I know those guys, and they're funny, and they have no problem being like, yeah, you just got to believe what I say when I'm telling you to believe what I say. And otherwise, you never know when I'm screwing with you. What do you think, man? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I I like that um, that those bridges aren't burned and that he can come back as uh, you know in guest starring roles here and there because I you know like you said the character is showing a lot of growth so it's it would be kind of fun to to leave that door open you know not to not to, to burn those bridges completely um, so yeah and uh, you know I guess we all got taken for a ride so uh, well played. Well played, Dominic. So, uh, <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess we will, uh, you know, we'll see down the road. But hopefully, yeah, he can come back in uh, guest starring roles. Because really, you know, Legends is such a fun show. Why would you not want to be part of it if you still could be? So, uh, you know, just for Bebo. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I always get you to laugh when I talk about Bebo. It's a guarantee. It's why I say it. I'm like. <laughs> And there goes Brad. And I'm like, all right, it's good. It's good. It's my job. <laughs> and the last bit of TV news here is uh, the Dead Boy Detectives might be uh, be making their uh, screen debut in Doom Patrol Season 3. Uh, what was your take on this? They sound like really fun characters. Uh, two adolescent boys who died sometime during the early 20th century. I'm not the biggest, richest, deepest uh, vein of understanding or knowledge when it comes to the Doom Patrol. So I can't reference what they've done in the comic stories. Um, but I, I love, I mean, the way they're described here and knowing what I already know about the Doom Patrol universe seems like a match made in heaven. Uh, I'm not familiar with the actor's work, but I, I do love the fact that everyone I've seen on Doom Patrol has been so much fun so i love the addition i'm hoping you have something a little more to add maybe uh because i think isn't one of the guys from game of thrones too yeah, yeah. so uh <laughs> this is one of those where i'm like brad help me out man because you know i need it what you got buddy well yeah he he was good in uh in game of thrones a uh, bit of a small role but what intrigues me about this is that the dead boy detectives are actually spinoff characters from Sandman. So they had their debut as part of that world. So the idea of in any, in any way mixing doom patrol with Sandman, I think is, could be so much fun, especially in a show that is so weird and wild as doom patrol. So this should be so much fun to watch. So, yeah, this is a good choice. And I think that the characters, they will fit in well with the whole kind of aesthetic and feel of the show. So, yeah, that's that that could make for a good season three. So welcome aboard (laughs) Dead Boy Detectives. So I guess maybe we won't be seeing them. Yeah, maybe we won't be seeing them in the Sandman series, but we'll get them (laughs) in the uh, in Doom Patrol. So. 
yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, they were uh, originally from the Sandman comics. Oh man, yeah, I I I can't wait to listen to you, uh, Steve and Josh, when you guys get that uh, Sandman podcast. And it sounds like maybe Kel and uh, Kendra on there too. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That that's gonna be fun for me to listen to you guys. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. Awareness uh, and uh, depth yeah. of knowledge. Oh, it's gonna be ridiculous, folks. You're gonna want to hear that, like seriously. <laughs> yes, yes, you will. <laughs> it'll, be, <laughs> it'll be a good time. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, with that kind of drop right there, I was like, oh wow, yeah. So you think there? Do you think there's some sort of an allusion to the Sandman in some way, or maybe I don't introduce elements from that world that they would, or is it I just a transfer? I think it's just going to be a transplant. I don't think there'll be any, I don't think there'll be any connections, but still, it's still cool to see those two worlds mixing in any way. So, yeah, I mean, I, who knows? I mean, I could be wrong, but I kind of, I kind of doubt it, but, but we'll see. (laughs) And that wraps up our uh, TV and streaming news. So we're going to move on to uh, news about comics Uh, up first. Uh, there is yet another new Batman series that's going to be hitting shelves this summer, and it is called Batman Secret Files. Uh, what do you think of this uh, this news? I love this. I, I think it's huge. I think it's a lot of fun. I love that it's kicking things off with Signal. I love that you basically get a, a spotlight of different members of the Bat family. It was one of the things I loved back in sh- uh, 92, 93. Yeah, Showcase, I think, 93 where they would uh, do two things. One, there was always a back family character in one of the stories, and usually it was one of the main stories, and then eventually that transitioned. But then you would have these other characters with it. But learning about these different members of the Bat family and sort of getting an understanding of what their community is outside of the Bat family and then also in connection to it, uh, I think it's so much fun. Um, I know a little while back we were talking about that Who's Who uh, release, and uh, this is like one of those things that just it I can't speak to the feeling it evokes, but it, it's a mixture of nostalgia as well as just. Um, I don't know, memory, that's the best thing I can put it, you know, nostalgia is one and then another form of memory that uh, for me, it, it's just always uh, a great feeling like nostalgia but also just sort of like that childlike reflection so i think it offers a lot of great ideas uh what do you think yeah i gotta say i i'm not too familiar with signal so i like the idea that i'm gonna get a story kind of based on him so that's kind of cool i'm not you know so that'll be kind of a learning experience and the the huntress story sounds really uh really cool and that artwork of the huntress it looks like a like uh, some kind of classical painting. It's really cool. So I wonder if that's going to be the cover. But that Huntress story uh, sounds interesting, uh, where she has been infected with a parasite that lets her see the world through who she's hunting. So that that could be a really interesting story. So, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to this one, too. Nice. And moving on, uh, looks like we've got more characters joining this uh Fortnite crossover uh first up being deathstroke is also going to be part of this crossover so uh what do you make of this man more more crossover more exposure hopefully more dc comics fans 
I mean, <laughs> it, it really seems to uh, be a, a great possibility. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, the greater exposure these characters get, the more people they're going to be like, so what else does DC have that's cool that I want to check out? Because yeah. I've seen all this other stuff and it's fun, but I'm waiting for new stuff. And while I'm waiting, what else you got? So uh, I think it's a win-win. What did you think? Yeah, I think you're right. It's a good way to cross uh, cross promote. And uh, that's, you know, bring Deathstroke into it. Why not? Um, because you had me when it was Batman versus Snake Eyes. So getting Deathstroke <laughs> is is icing on the cake. So, yeah, this I you know, generally I I'm not huge on these kind of crossovers, but this one does seem like it's going to be a lot of fun. And as we're recording this, I think the issue comes out. The first issue comes out this week. So, um uh, I, I do plan on picking it up to see see how it is. So yeah, yeah, I think it's a good opportunity to cross promote and get kids into uh, get in kids into comics. Get them while they're young. Yep, exactly. And uh, looks uh, last bit of comic book news is that we are getting a standalone special in the middle of the um, Batman Catwoman series. Uh, and Tom King is going to be uh, retconning uh, Catwoman's origin. So what do you make of this? So, you know, it, it's kind of like if Shakespeare was like, hey, I wanted to tell you this other little piece about Romeo and Juliet. Just, you know, another little something I thought you guys would like. You go, yeah, it's kind of already timeless and lovely. Everything that Tom King has done with Batman and... Catwoman with Bruce and Selina has been this really long, wonderfully like it's like a tapestry, you know, one of those great noble things like etched. And because of that, you've you've got this beautiful romance. And I love the fact that now we get more hints of how it was he was involved and how it was he was always a presence. Um and and that's interesting because there's something great when the creators just sort of look back through history and just show you something new you didn't know about. It puts all the stuff you've seen up to this point uh, into perspective. And given how much time he invested into these two characters, their relationship, their uh, concept of love, their their growth as two people and also as a couple, hey, this sounds like you know like what what can go wrong. It just sounds like a really great thing for fans who have already seen all that great stuff and loved it to enjoy it when, you know, you've got masters going, hey, so we thought we'd play and here you go. It's like when you get really good musicians and they start jamming and you're like, just let them go. Just don't interrupt until they get tired. Then you can ask questions because what do you think, man? Yeah, I think it's kind of cool that, um, the, you know, now that we're into this whole concept of the omniverse, that you can have stories like this that kind of play around with origins and different angles and, and ways to tell the story. And you're you're right. Tom King is a master. So it is it's a great metaphor or analogy that, you know, letting these masters come and jam and, that, and this is what you get. So I, I've enjoyed this series so far. So. I'm I'm down to have more of it. So yeah, I'm kind of interested in this ride that Tom King's taking us on. So yeah, it should be should be a good issue. 
And we have one last bit of news that uh, I have my fingers crossed and hope this really does happen, is that um, New York Comic Con is set to return as a physical event in some capacity this fall. Uh, So what do you make of this? Oh, man, I I think it would be a great thing for it to happen. But, um, you know, everybody's waiting to hear from the New Yorker about uh <laughs> about what this means for it to come back man so really um i i think it's a great thing but why don't you go ahead and tell me just how great it is <laughs> you know my favorite weekend of the year is far and away new york comic-con uh i say it's like everything i love explodes in the javits center so i missed it so much last year so i cannot wait for it to come back so i hope it does um you know you know and i I was actually discussing this with a friend the other day uh that if they do bring it back in a physical event as a physical event that's gonna have to have some kind of limited capacity so are they going to limit it to just New Yorkers? Because if that's the case, then I'll be shut out because I technically live in New Jersey, even though it's really close to the city and I spend a lot of time there. So I really hope that this happens and that I can attend it because, oh man, I missed it so much last year and to have to miss it two years in a row is would be heartbreaking. So yeah, I really, fingers crossed. I really hope it, uh, I really hope it does come back. So watch the space i guess that's we'll what see. i was looking for yeah i mean i i uh, uh, <laughs> can't wait the first time <laughs> that i'm back at a con is going to be a great day and it's gonna uh, be awesome. yeah and with that that wraps up another uh episode of uh, dc comics news podcast seth is there any last thoughts about any of these stories before we get on out of here uh, I can't stop getting excited for Black Adam, and these stories won't let me. Um, yeah, that's probably going to be one of the biggest for me right now is uh, just just come on, man. Get me closer because I, I want to see what you guys are doing, and I'm excited for it. Uh, the stories we talked about today, just throwing more timber on the fire, man. Just slow yeah. burning logs. How about you, man? Yeah, yeah. Um, I. Yeah, I agree. I'm really excited. I to me, it's really, really good sign that we're getting more news about Black Adam and about Shazam too. Um, you know, because it seems yeah. like for almost months at this at this point, every week we've had a story about the Batman or a story about Suicide Squad or the Snyder Cut, and it's good to see getting some other news about these other productions coming into focus. Because um, it, it's just another sign that we're kind of getting close to getting back to normal. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Black Adam, too. And, man, I hope that something happens with New York Comic Con that it can return this year. So that's my that's my main input from, from this week's news. And with that, uh, that will wrap up another episode. Uh, Seth, why don't you tell people where they can find you? You can always find me hanging out here with amazing people like Mr. Brad on the weekly podcast. As often as I can be here, I love talking all these great news stories and having fun just 
hearing their insights. It's it's always a great time. You can also catch me hosting the Spinner Rack. That's my weekly top five picks from DC Comics. And you can find me out there in the wider web. Just type in Seth Singleton. And if you want to send me a direct message, I'm on Twitter as One More Singleton and Instagram as Set the Writer. How about you, Brad? Where can the good people find you? Uh, you can find me writing news reviews, DC Comics News. You can find me on the uh, Mad Love Harley Quinn podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at uh, FlickyB1. And as for DC Comics News, we're available wherever you uh, you know, wherever you find your podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, we're there. So check us out. We also have, like Seth mentioned, the Spinner Rack, uh, the Mad Love Harley Quinn podcast, and the I Am the Night, which is a episode-by-episode breakdown of Batman the Animated Series, hosted by uh, our, uh, our good friend and contributor, uh, Steve J. Ray. So check all that out as well. And you can follow uh, DC Comics News on social at DC Comics News. Uh, So that wraps up another episode, and we'd like to end it with saying something that everybody should do, and that is to read more comics. (laughs) (laughs) Until next week, everybody. Have a good one. Bye now.